Good morning. How are y'all doing? I um, I'm, here we are, the beginning, the ends of an old year, the beginning of a new year. I'm excited to have you here today. Uh, if it's your first time or your several hundredth time, uh, I want to remind you of our motto. Help me out if you know it. No matter your story, you are welcome, you are wanted, and you are loved. And we mean that. We can't always be everything to everybody. We try. But the fact of the matter is, we're going to love you. We're going to show you that God loves you. So here we are, end of a new year, beginning of a, uh, end of one year, beginning of another year. Um, I don't get as excited about the new year as I used to because I ain't staying up to 12. That's just a fact. I am, uh, I have passed that part of my life uh, that I'm staying up to like midnight. I've seen the ball drop. It's the same thing every year. Okay, I'm just, I'm, I'm cool. I'm fine with it. I, I always like the idea of new beginnings, though. I believe strongly in new beginnings. It's got to be more than, you know, New Year's resolution. Everybody makes a New Year's resolution, and some of mine don't make it like to January 2nd. Uh, I do believe, though, that life change is possible. One of the traditional images of New Year's is a, an old man and a little baby. Have you seen this? The, the old man representing the year that is ending, he's going into retirement. And then there's this little baby that represents this fresh new year full of promise. And the old man has to get out of the way so the new life can begin. It would not make sense for the old to hang around and be in the way of the new. Now imagine you get into this year, and you're about the middle of March, and you look at the calendar on your desk or your wall or on your phone or wherever, and instead of saying March 15th, 2024, it says October 3rd, 2023. You'd be like, who's pranking me? What's up? Something's wrong with my... Something's wrong with my phone. Something's wrong with this calendar. It's a misprint. Something's weird. It doesn't make sense for the old year to take over the new year, or in the metaphor of the old man and the little baby, for the, for the old man to take over the, this new life. The New Testament uses that kind of imagery of the old person and the new person, the old life and the new life. It explains what happens when a person trusts in Jesus as their Savior they're no longer the old person they used to be. They're made into a new life. But if you've been doing this Jesus thing for a while, you can testify the old life tries to push its way into the new life sometimes. The old man shows up and messes up the new man's life. Like you're on a roll. I don't want to get anybody in trouble because some of you came here with like family members and people you're going to have to ride home with. But you got people in your life who will push your buttons. Don't look at them, don't elbow them right now, okay, because everybody's going to know. You've got people in your life who will push your buttons, and it's like the old you starts coming out, the old gangsta you, like you saying, you better be glad I know Jesus now, because mm, I would I would cut you if I didn't. I've had, I thought to, my, I told my children, y'all are real lucky I know Jesus and love Jesus, because I think I could be not so nice. Um, and they're like, Dad, is this, you're already mean, Dad, what do you... What do you mean now? With uh, You say you could be me. No, this, you see, that's it. The, when you have this new life in Jesus, the 
old man tries to come back sometimes, and we got to keep him out. There's, there's no place for the old man in the new life. I want to talk about that for a few weeks, Lord willing. We'll get back into the book of Mark at some point, um, but we're not quite there yet. We're kind of doing kind of a New Year series here about the, the old man and the new life, the, the old man not having a place in the new life. I want to talk to you today about how we have a, a new man with a new mind. We're going to be in Ephesians chapter 4, uh, starting at verse 17. I'm going to read a bunch of this, but we won't get that far into it, so, so don't panic. It won't be that long of a message. Here we go, Ephesians chapter 4. This I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord, that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk, in the futility of their mind, having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the blindness of their heart, who, being past feeling, have given themselves over to lewdness, to work all uncleanness with greediness. But you have not so learned Christ, if indeed you have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus, that you put off concerning your former conduct the old man which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lusts, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that you put on the new man, which has been created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, please speak to us now through your words. Help us to understand this new life that we've been called to, that we can walk in a new way and not in the old way. In Jesus' name, amen. So this is the time of year people say, New Year, New Me. I always like laugh when I hear that because New Year, New Me. And we're like, uh, no, no, we've said that before. You're probably going to be the same difficult person that you've been before because there's usually someone who's kind of difficult who says New Year, New Me. Um, not always, but, uh, you know, I try not to say that anymore. I'll say New Year, I hope I'm different. You know, I want to be different. I want to talk to you today not about new year, new me, not the idea that I'm going to create personal change in myself or you might create change in yourself just by saying, hey, I'm going to be different. It takes more than just saying, I want to be different or I'm going to be different. We need some intervention from the Lord. So this message is new man, new mind. When God makes you a new man, a new woman, he gives you a new mind. And uh, that's, that is what Jesus does. He develops a new mind in us. Verse 17 is where we're going to be hanging out today. It goes like this. This I say, and te- this I say therefore, and testify in the Lord, that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk. Do not walk like the other Gentiles. What is a Gentile? A Gentile is a non-Jewish person. Unless, you, unless your ancestry is significantly Jewish, you're a Gentile. So maybe that probably goes for most, if not all of us in this room right now. The book of Ephesians was originally written by the Apostle Paul as a letter to the believers, the followers of Jesus in the city of Ephesus. Ephesus was a Greek city. So the people to whom this letter was written were by and large, ethnically, culturally, and linguistically Greek. So are they Jewish or are they Gentile? probably they're gentiles paul is saying don't be like the rest of the gentiles he's talking to gentile people here they grew up with the values and of the worldview and the worldview of the society around them but something changed what changed 
to make these Gentiles different than the other Gentiles. What happened? Jesus. Hey, one thing I love about Billy Honeycutt, he's going to give Jesus the glory. I love that about you, man. Don't ever, ever leave that behind. I love it. Jesus happened. Jesus worked a life change. Jesus made him a new person. They weren't like the other Gentiles now. They were different. Their walk was different. And that's what he's saying here. Don't walk like the other Gentiles. What's that about? What do you, how did they walk? Did they walk with a limp? Was it like a, what kind of walk did they have? Uh, in the New Testament, walking is a metaphor for how you live your life from day to day. It's a walk. It's a, it's a journey. As a matter of fact, the original name of our faith was not Christianity. Do you understand the first believers didn't call themselves Christians? That word was invented decades later, and it was meant as an insult word. How about that? That they started calling followers of Jesus Christians. It means little Christ. And that happened. That was an insult word that kind of became embraced. And they're like, yeah, you mean that as an insult, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take it. I'm going to embrace it. Before then, though, the first believers called it the way. Followers of the way. That's what they called it. The way meaning like a road or a path. I cannot emphasize this enough. You've heard me say it before. I will keep saying it until we get it. That the Jesus movement started with a fellowship of people who were literally following Jesus around as he walked on the roads and paths from town to town. That's how it started. They watched how he interacted with people. They watched how he interpreted the world around him. And they did their best to walk in the way Jesus walked. To walk with Jesus means to live out your life according to the example and teaching of Jesus. That's what it means. That's what we do. Two millennia later, that actually hasn't changed. Now, I realize that there have been lots of folks for centuries and thousands of years that have turned this faith journey into a list of rules, a list of ceremonies we have to keep, um, a social club. But that's not what the Scriptures describe it as. We are still meant to be a fellowship of people who are trying to live out our lives according to the example and the teaching of Jesus. The only difference is, instead of physically following Jesus around because He's now at the right hand of the Father, we read the Scriptures and we learn from the Scriptures about his life and his example and the teaching of the apostles that followed that helped uh, to expand upon what Jesus began. So understand this. We are not people following a tradition. We are not people following a religion. We are people following Jesus. This is the walk. This is the way. If we, if we walk the path that Jesus told us to walk, it's going to be a different path than everybody else is walking. Um, look, if you're living for Jesus, some people aren't going to get it. They aren't going to be able to walk with you anymore. It's tough. I remember, you know, when, uh, when my dad got saved, I was pretty young at the time. He, you know, dad was walking with some guys at that time who, who were not walking with the Lord. Dad started walking with the Lord, and he said, I didn't have to get rid of my old friends who were bad influence. He said, they just, they left him. So, and uh, one of the great, dad, one of the greatest things you ever did was give your heart to Jesus. Dads, everybody, dads especially, one of the greatest things you can do is live for Jesus. 
because you have a huge influence. It changed our lives entirely. It's like, what in a new chapter is a new book? The old book was gone is a new book. So I remember that. Dad said, you know, I just, I'm walking with Jesus now, and nobody's walking with me. So we had to have a, get some new friends. Um, and uh, I'm telling you right now, if your life, if your walk is different than the values of this world, some people are not going to understand that. They may not have nice things to say about you. Don't let that discourage you. Look, it doesn't make sense. It's not necessarily that they're bad or mean. It just doesn't make sense. Some of you in this room got saved as adults, and you've seen both sides. And you can probably say, yeah, before I got saved, a lot of this teaching of Jesus did not make sense. It came off as weird. I mean, this guy's telling me to love my enemies, bless those that curse me. Someone steals my coat off my back. Give them my shirt, too. It's crazy talk until you get it. And then you see, wait a minute, that's, this is beautiful. This is incredible. This is new. Look, uh, a lot of the teaching of Jesus seems strange until you get to know Jesus. That's what made the Gentile believers in Ephesus different from the other Gentiles in Ephesus. They left behind the old life to follow Jesus. Now, Paul told them, no longer walk as the other Gentiles walk. This is a warning not to go back to the old ways, not to go back to the old path. Don't let the old person they used to be invade the new life. Don't go back to the old way of thinking. Kind of the overarching idea for this whole series is the old man has no place in the new life. Old not meaning uh, lots of birthdays. Old meaning what you used to be. It does not get to come into the new life. Easier said than done. Because there are people who would test you, people who would try you, situations that will try you. I cannot speak for everyone, but if I want to really know where my faith is in a given day, probably the very best way is for me to do some plumbing in my house. Anybody else have your faith tested by plumbing? It will. And somehow I ended up being the family plumber. Dad, uh, Dad said that a few years ago. I said, he said, um, Dad's a good plumber, very capable. He said, yeah, I think you're the family plumber now. And then my grandmother's water heater went out. And uh, he brings a water heater up there said, hey, I need you to help me with this. Dad, uh, we get the water heater out of the back of his truck. And he's gone. He just left. He didn't say goodbye. He didn't say, son, do you need a hand? That's a smart man right there. This fell in the front row with the long hair. Smart man. He just left. However, I had my own labor with me. I had my son with me. So he learned how to put in a water heater that day. And Elijah, I was good that day, right? I didn't say any bad words, right? Come on, help me out. He don't leave me hanging. I'm your ride home, dude. So yeah, I was really good that day, but not always. Life is going to test you like that. The old life will try to come into the new life when you're under pressure, where people are pushing your buttons, where life gets harder, difficult. It will come. You know, it's kind of like easy to laugh about things like plumbing, but when you're in the middle, it's not, it's not funny, really. This is easier said than done. Let me, make, let me make something clear before we go any further, okay? Recreate is not a church for people who walk the path without stumbling. And that's good because none of us can. None of us gets this right all the time. We try, we work really hard, we do everything we can to follow Jesus and obey Him and do what's right, but even people who are the most bought into Jesus, the people who are the most committed, 
have days and have seasons where they really struggle and stumble. And that's why we're here. We're a bunch of people who struggle and stumble together. So that when somebody struggles, somebody stumbles, they don't stumble all the way. Because there's somebody walking behind them, beside them, behind them, in front of them that can get a hold of them, that can help them. That's what we do. That's what a local church is supposed to be in large part is we're kind of the walking wounded. We struggle in this world. We each have our hangups and our hurts, but we're not alone. You see, one of our values here is that you have permission to struggle, but not to struggle alone. Take that and put that in your pocket because that's who we are. So, look, we're a church that's honest about the struggle. We're here to help each other in the midst of a season of struggle. So listen to this. I want you to get this. If your walk with Jesus is sometimes more of a crawl, you are welcome, you are wanted, and you are loved. If you're trying to find your way back to the path, you lost a path, you're trying to get back to it, you're welcome, you're wanted, you're loved. If you're still making up your mind about Jesus, you're welcome, you're wanted, and you're loved. If you don't claim to believe anything, you're welcome, you're wanted, and you're loved. Now, our hope and our prayer is that everyone will find new life in Jesus. But if you never decide to believe what we believe, you're welcome, you're wanted, and you're loved. For those of us who have made a commitment to Jesus, we have signed up for this life, you know. Um, we should probably explain that a little better to people when they're, when they're wanting to know about being saved. That when you, when you follow Jesus, you're signing up to live very differently and one of the most destructive things a person can do is claim to follow Jesus, but live like they don't know Jesus. You know some people like that, people who can talk religion, but it comes out in the way they treat people. That is not, you know, it is not consistent with the way Jesus treated people. We got to be so careful about that because we can all be that person. If uh, um, it damages your spiritual life, it destroys your influence, it discourages people who are on the outside from coming in. When we let the old man get into the new life. Now, here's where I really wanted to go. Um, let's talk about the principle of new man, new mind. At the end of this verse, it, the Apostle Paul says, do not walk like the Gentiles, the other Gentiles, in the futility of their mind. That's a key phrase here. Futility of their mind. Some translations read vanity of mind or something similar. Whatever it translates, uh, it means filling up your thoughts with things that, that don't have eternal value. That's easy in this world. We're being bombarded with junk all the time that has no eternal value. The culture around us is obsessed with fame and with power, with getting more money, with having more stuff, with impressing people. We have created a whole new industry where people... Make a career out of being famous for being famous? Like, what a wild... Look, okay, I'm going to show my age here. Anybody remember, like, Millie Vanilli back in the day? And they got, like, just roasted for lip-syncing, okay, because they were lip-syncing the music? Dude, TikTok is like, that's what it is. You're lip-syncing and dancing to music. I mean, that, someone should go back and apologize to those dudes. I think one of them's dead. But they should find the other guy and say, we're really sorry. We didn't see TikTok coming. You were ahead of the curve. See, that's it. They were pioneers in the industry. It's so wild to me, though, that um, it's, people make a career out of 
looking pretty and going to fancy places and get paid for, for um, you know, or, or get do funny or quirky things, and we call it being an influencer. Man, look, I'm just going to say, if a lot of influence, a lot of, quote, influence is not based on character, it's based on how much skin you're willing to show. That is not an aspiration for anybody to have. Uh, but we're not like that, of course. We're, we're not like those TikTok people. Those Instagram people, we're much, uh, we're much better. We're not, uh, let's pat ourselves on the back. We're not like that at all, but we're not immune to futility of mind. How many hours a day do we spend consuming media that does not feed our souls? I mean, like garbage on TV. So much stuff is so, like, it's total garbage on TV. Um, binging TV shows. Uh, YouTube and TikTok videos and, and clips on the internet, social media. Man, I had to delete some of my social media just because uh, it was just wasting time. I just couldn't do it. It was feeding the wrong part of my brain. Video games and mobile games, and I'd love to say I'd totally grown out of that, but uh, over the Christmas holiday, I got really good at this this little football game on my phone called Retro Bowl. It looks like the old like Tecmo Bowl for anybody who remembers the old Nintendo I once again dating myself. That's all right. Oh, whatever, whatever. But I got really, like, really good at that. Even made a very winning team out of Washington, which is kind of some kind of a miracle. Uh, you know, somebody. Hey, I'm telling you, you, you single find yourselves a Washington fan because those people are loyal, based on absolutely nothing in return. Okay, been there, done that. And my wife don't know how lucky she's got it. So I'm gonna stick with you forever. <laughs> if I've stick stuck with Washington through two name changes. And like 25 years of futility, baby, I'm sticking with you. <sighs> all right. Look, we have all this media in front of us. And sometimes it's not like even on purpose. I cannot speak for anyone else, but maybe if you're like me, sometimes I'm like scrolling this thing and I'm like, I'm not even enjoying it. It's just like they call it doom scrolling. Just kind of like something to keep my hands and my brain busy. Something to sort of like tamp down the little bit of ADHD that I got going and just all the while feeling guilty because I should be doing something else. And I'm scrolling memes, I'm scrolling Facebook, I'm Googling random things that I think of and falling into the Wikipedia black hole. I don't know if anyone else can relate. Look, not all media is bad, not all entertainment is bad. It is what it is. It's even the stuff that's not bad is kind of empty. You know, it doesn't, it doesn't feed the part of you that you want to feed. We fill up our minds with stuff that doesn't have lasting value. It's kind of like cotton candy. You know, like cotton candy seems like such a good idea. I remember being a kid, you go to the fair, Mama, can I have some cotton candy? And that cotton candy, like the first six bites are good. And you're like, I don't want no more cotton candy. But you're like, no, I got it. I got to eat it. So like... If you tried to live off of cotton candy, you'd get real sick. It's good. A couple bites is good. That's kind of the way a lot of this media stuff is. A couple bites, that's nice. But you can't live off of it. And we have created a society where we're living off of that. We're living off this constant stream of entertainment and media and social media and all that. And it will make you real sick. And it shows. It shows in our culture. And you'll be like, well... Everybody does that. What's the big deal? Everybody, everybody does it. Um, why are we even worried about that? Well, yeah, everybody does it. But what did the Apostle Paul say here? 
Don't walk like the rest of the Gentiles walk. Don't be like everybody else. Why do you want to be with like, like, like other people? We have a calling to be different. And maybe a few of us can probably say, well, uh, I don't waste my time with any of that stuff. I'll have you know, I've not watched a single episode of Game of Thrones. Well, we'll have your medal in the back when you leave. I haven't watched one either. But it doesn't matter. You can, you can avoid all the media consumption and still struggle with getting sucked into things that seem to matter in the moment but aren't worthy of your obsession. Like measuring success and worth by money or stuff or numbers on a scale. Like the incessant drive to earn and achieve and get recognition. Like the trap of comparing yourself to others. Sometimes you compare yourself and you feel good about it. You feel superior. That's not good for you. Sometimes you compare yourself and you feel inferior. That's no good either. Fall into that trap. The, the uh, trap of trying to impress people with our performance or our things. Or like worrying all the time about our bills and our country and our loved ones and how we're going to keep juggling all of this stuff we got to juggle. These things are normal to the world around us. This is what our culture obsesses over. That's how the other Gentiles walk. But it's empty. That's why people who get everything still don't get happy. It's vanity. It's futility. It doesn't give you life. It drains it away. It robs us of peace. It increases our anxiety. One of the best things you can do for your mental health is to get off of the hamster wheel of this world and get on the path of Jesus. So how does this work? Do we wake up one day and say, hey, it's January 1st, and today, this year, I'm choosing not to be futile in my mind. What does that mean? Well, it's, it's a shift, okay? Maybe you, maybe you should, dear diary, today I will no longer be futile in my mind. What the heck does that mean? Your diary doesn't know. You're going to have to Google it and figure it out. No, I'll, I'll just I'll tell you the biblical perspective, okay? It's, it's shifting from being mindless to mindful, from things that are ultimately meaningless to things that are eternally meaningful, from things that drain life to things that create life, from a mind centered on the emptiness of the world to a mind centered on the fullness of Christ. So I got some verses for you here. Three, three steps here, okay, in no longer walking in this futility of mind. Number one, number one, renew your mind. This is Romans 12, 2. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is good and acceptable and perfect, the perfect will of God. Look, it is going to happen. You are going to get distracted by the stuff and the struggle. Whole industries are designed to keep you distracted and fill up your mind with things that don't matter, fill up your time with things that don't matter, and take your attention. People make money, people make a lot of money by keeping us sucked into things that don't matter. You're going to have to recognize it and stop. So, whoop, no. I'm going <coughs> to renew my mind today. going to stop and recenter on Jesus. I, gotta, I had to do that this week as I'm preparing this message. Hey, nothing's quite as convicting as preparing to stand up in front of a group of people and like 
tell them, hey, here's what God says we should do. Because by the time I've preached it to you, he preached it to me like five times. So I got work here to do too. All right, number two, after renew your mind, set your mind. Colossians 3.2 says, set your mind on things above, not on things of the earth. Whatever occupies your mind will set your direction. It'll pull you in. All right, I got a 15-year-old daughter, and she is, uh, she's got her learner's permit. Appreciate your prayers. Thank you. She's a good kid. She's driving pretty well for the most part. But one of the things we've had to discuss is when you're driving at night and those oncoming headlights, do you remember uh, when you're learning to drive, like you see those headlights and they kind of take your attention and you start to kind of drift that way and you have to purposefully teach yourself not to drift towards the headlights. And I'm saying, hey, sweet girl, we do not want to go out this way. Head on collision is like a bad deal. So watch the white line on the side. That's what you do. That's what I've told her. Watch that straight white line. Go by that. Don't look at these headlights. Don't get the call of the void to like drift over. You see, that's, that's it. In this world, we've got the headlights in our eyes. And it will pull us in that direction. And that direction is destruction. We've got to be watching the line. Watch. We've got to set our mind on things above not on things of earth, because wherever you set your mind, it's going to pull you in that direction. Number three, guard your mind. Philippians 4, verses 7 and 8 says, And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue and if there is anything praiseworthy, Meditate on these things. Well, that's good advice. Fill your mind up with these things. See, the, the way to guard your mind from stuff coming in that is meaningless or destructive is to put something in there. Like fill it up. You know, like that one dresser drawer that nothing else will stick it, go in. And you're just like, it's all crammed full. Nothing else is going in it. You're going to have to fill your mind not with just clutter, but with good things. Things that are... Like it says, lovely and pure and a good report and virtuous. We're so bombarded with garbage that the only way to keep some of it from sneaking in is to be so full of Jesus that there's just not room. A few years um, before the pandemic, I spent some time in prison. Some of you are like, he's a, he's a criminal? He did crimes? Just listen to the rest of the story. That's where I met Alexander. Alexander, most people called him country because he grew up as a hog farmer in Mecklenburg County, Virginia, south side Virginia. He was short. He was stocky. His skin bore the scars of 52 years of hard living, and there were some much deeper scars, scars on his soul. He spent most of his adult life in and out of prison. I don't know why, Alexander, country, signed up for the ministry event. That's why I was there. I was there. Me and Billy went to prison to preach the gospel. I saw some people looking around like, What's going, what kind of church have we gone to? Criminal pastor? Let me tell you, I met some really great preachers in prison. These guys were there for crimes they did commit, and some of them were lifers. Man, some of these guys could preach, couldn't they, Billy? Because they knew it. They knew it. it was, that was all they had to hold on to. Look, Probably 
country showed up. He signed up for this ministry event because he had nothing better to do. It's, it's a level four prison. It's one step from a supermax. You get one hour of daylight and 23 hours in the pod and most of that in your cell. He probably just wanted a change of scenery. Some reason to get out of the place that he was in for a little while and do something a little different. It's the cookies. Yeah, I, I could mention that for Kairos. You know, we took, gosh, what was it, 15,000 dozen, some obscene amount of cookies. We'll do the prison ministry again, and we'll get you guys to make some cookies, okay? And that'll be a lot of fun. Um, brought a lot of cookies, you know, fellowship, and, and we meet with these guys. So the first couple of days, he's friendly enough. He's having a good time, but he's not really listening. He's not really engaged here. There was another one of the inmates at our table who was real talkative, and he kind of kept Alexander distracted the whole time. But on day three, Mr. Distraction did not return. He wasn't there. I don't know why. Maybe the Lord kept him at home, so to speak. Alexander was no longer distracted, and he started really soaking it in. This, this man we called country was participating. He was listening. He was, he was adding things. And the more we talked more and more about the Lord, and something was happening in his heart, and something was happening in his mind. On the fourth morning, there was a major change. Okay, as one of the volunteers in the group was talking about God's loving redemption and God's love for us, no matter what we've done, I saw him reach for a napkin and dab at his eyes. Now, this is a big deal. This is prison. You don't show weakness. This was not a large man. He was, I don't know, 5'5", five, five maybe. He was not a big man. And there were a lot bigger guys in there who, who really could have hurt him. But he's dabbing at his eyes. He's crying. I didn't say anything to him. I didn't want to embarrass him, but I prayed so hard the Lord would be at work in his heart. And as the message went on, the tears kept coming. And at the end of the talk, country was all choked up. And he just looked at me. He was set to my right. He sat to my right those four days. And he just, he, it took him a while to get the words. And finally, when he could talk, he said, he said, I want to change, man. I, I want to change my life. So we pulled our chairs over to the side. We had a heart-to-heart. We talked about the gospel. We talked about our sin and God's love and Christ's sacrifice and our response of faith. And he was ready for that new life. And he prayed, and God moved, and tears flowed. And it was amazing. And this man named Alexander, who we called country, that day he became a new man with a new mind. He was in prison but he was finally free for the first time in his life. You think it's hard to live for Jesus out here in the world? Imagine what it's like being in prison where so many people are wanting to see you fall and fail and trying to antagonize you. It was a hard path that he chose that day, but the best path. Look, it doesn't matter if you're sitting in a prison cell or a church pew or one of these lovely armchairs here. Everybody needs Jesus. The guys on the inside in the prison, they sort of understand their need a little better than most folks because they realize that they have made choices that have gotten them in a bad place. We, we don't always see that. We make choices too that are not in God's desires for us, but they just don't always end up with us incarcerated. 
We don't always see how messed up we are, how badly we need Jesus. Alexander, country, he received a new life. He was a new man with a new mind. You could see it. Billy, do you remember him? The short, he was like a real short guy. He was kind of stocky African-American fella. You'd remember him if you saw him. He, um, he was such a new man. He had like a new spring in his step and a smile on his face, okay? And he wasn't just goofing off, you know, like he had been before. Something was fresh and new about this man. I, I kind of lost touch with him. I, have, I wonder how he's doing now. But this man had a new purpose and a new direction. And um, he wasn't walking any longer as the other inmates walked. That's our call. We're not inmates, but we're living in a culture that walks very different than what Jesus said. We're called to walk no longer as the other Gentiles walk. So what's your story? How's your walk? Are you walking with Jesus? Have you made a commitment to follow Jesus? Have you done that? Have you given him your heart and your life? If you've done that, man, we want to we be here for you. We want to help you. We want to walk with you. If you haven't done that yet, we want to be a part of you finding hope and life in Jesus. And if you've done that, do you recognize the old man trying to get back in? The old man doesn't have a place in the new life. We are called to be new men with new minds, new women with new minds. And that's what I pray we can do in this new year, to have a new mind, because it starts up here. Your actions begin in your mind and your heart. And we want those to be new. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, I pray in Jesus' name. Oh, asking that you would work in our minds. That you would do these things. Renew our minds. And, and guard our minds. And set our minds on Jesus. Lord, we, we want this coming year to be one that we've lived for you more than ever before. And I pray that you'll help us do that. We set our minds on you. We seek to walk in your path. In Jesus' name, amen. Happy New Year, y'all. Happy New Year. And uh, I hope you have a fun New Year's Eve. Um, you know, stay out of trouble. Be good, all right? <laughs> Don't do anything. Don't do anything. Um, you got to repent over. How about that? Is that a good deal? Like in, uh, in my work, you know, at one time I had, I had 26 people working for me in my last position. And my rule was that we'd gather our morning meetings and said, look, I trust you guys, you're adults. Just don't do anything I got to fill out paperwork for. And we're good. I do not want to file a report. And if you do that, we're completely, and you know what? They never did. I never, I never had to write anybody up. So um, that was nice. Just don't get written up tonight, okay? Deal? Some of you are like, you don't, I'm not telling you what I'm doing tonight. Okay, it's between you and the Lord. Just don't get written up. All right, God bless you all. I'm really going to let you go now. Hope you have a wonderful, blessed week. Hope we see you next week. Come back and bring some, you know, grab somebody under this arm, grab somebody under this arm, and bring them here, and we'll continue in the Word of God. All right, God bless you. Take care.